Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and I've got with me my friend Chris Vines. Hey, Dan. Good to be with you again. Hey, Chris. I don't know if you have been watching Razorback Baseball, but just the other night, Dylan Leach, a sophomore, somebody who would have been in somebody's student ministry three years ago, hit the cycle, meaning that he hit a single, a double, a triple, a home run, and he hit home runs from both sides of the plate. So I just kind of was amazed when I saw that. It's pretty big stuff. Wow. So people don't do that all the time? Uh, No. In fact, I think some of the statistics were showing that uh, no one in Major League Baseball has even done that. It's oh, wow. it's one of those big things. But I think about these amazing things that our students are doing. They're they're leaving our student ministry and then they're going off to college or they're in the workplace and just these incredible. Well, as I looked across um, the field the other night, I was thinking about these kids, and so I contacted somebody in Greenbrier that they knew. Um, this kid from when he was in high school, just big stuff that's coming out of students and the amount of stress that is put on these students in those places. And it's got to be hard. I mean, when I was watching sports 10 years ago, I didn't think as much about it, but my kids were both younger. They were junior high, high, early high school age. And I started thinking about it more recently. These literally are kids out on the field. Yeah that are struggling with the same things that my own, my own kids have dealt with. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, you know, it it is amazing to see what teenagers um, are doing. Uh, It's encouraging in many ways. uh, And they're, they're not all boneheads. Let's just say it that way. Right. (laughs) But, uh, but we do, we do have a few of those in our lives and, and I'll say that uh, unapologetically because I say it to their face, like you guys are being a bonehead right now, but uh, (laughs) man, they do great things. They have so much potential and I'm really excited about just being around this generation of, of kids, but you're right. I mean, I think now maybe more than ever, that's a big statement and one that just seems to be right. I'm going to just kind of go from my, my gut statistic right there that because of how much pressure is on getting into college, uh, having the right, uh, ACT score, having the right ability to play a sport, all this kind of stuff. And the, and just the, just the pressure to be socially acceptable, right. Uh, in whatever sphere that might look at. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the stress um, that some of these kids are facing um, and that they do face. And it's certainly more than what I faced whenever I was a teenager. Uh, there's always been pressure. Yeah. There's always been stress. There's always, I mean, that, none of that is new, but my goodness, I mean, when you talk about just sports alone, like you're, like you're saying, I mean, you've got to decide by the time you're in ninth grade, if you're going to be trying to play at the collegiate level and that just kind of sets the course for what you're going to do over the next four years of yeah. your life. And, uh, man, if something doesn't pan out, uh, it, it causes disaster. Yeah. And so, 
man, I am. I'm with you. I'm excited about the generation. Uh, they're cool to see just the potential that they have and what they're doing. Um, you know, hitting cycles and all that kind of stuff. I, is, did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Okay, great. And uh, <laughs> I, I did. You know, I'm still learning all of this stuff, but I'm, yeah. I've got to learn yeah. a little bit more yeah. because of my son's new in-laws. So I just wonder if he knows how to do like a, a full laundry cycle. Probably not. <laughs> See, that's where we need to help this generation is knowing how to do it the is. full laundry cycle of things. But yeah, <laughs> anyway. No, that's a, that's a cool well, thing, man. I'm excited about the combo today. You know, as we talk about um, student ministry today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. It stems from a place of stress. And I think about the stress that some of these college athletes are facing, uh, high school athletes, just our high school students. I mean, they've got so many things going on. So we're going to talk about that in more detail with our guest today. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And if you want to send your students to a place that is Christ-focused, have them check out cbc.edu. They have opportunities for visits, both virtual still, as well as in person, and they would love to get to know you and your students and I think that's a really important thing as youth pastor, help encourage your students to find that place that's right for them, where God wants them to be. CBC may be that place. So check them out at cbc.edu. Chris, the other thing that I wanted to mention to you is that our national meeting is going to be a week from when this podcast releases. And so are you going to be joining us in Springfield? Yes, I will be there. Nice. Well, I know that your pastor, your lead pastor is... Isn't he the president of the BMA yes. of America? El Presidente. <laughs> so yes, I'm, I'm like his uh, his little pet chihuahua that just kind of follows him around everywhere. <laughs> you, you could play the role of, I don't know, Secret Service or something else, but yeah. you went. Well, I grew the mustache time. specifically for that role, and I got the Ray-Bans, the aviators. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I just – plan on seeing me somewhere nearby. Uh, I'll probably like, reach up to my ear every now and then, act like I've got an earpiece in, talking to somebody. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, because there'll be times where we need to make quick exits and uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, I want to invite our listeners, if you're going to be at our national meeting, be sure and drop by our table. We're going to be giving away some things. You just have to sign up with your email. I've got Hill City Popcorn online, as well as we're going to give away a stack of books. And it's just an opportunity for us to meet and connect. And so we'd love to see you there. That's going to be in Springfield. Um, it's our, again, our national meeting. And if you want some more information, reach out to us at info at studentministrymatters.com. Well, on today's podcast, we have with us Hannah Burge. Hannah is a member of the team at Fresh Roots Family Counseling of Rogers, Arkansas. She is a 2016 graduate of the University of Arkansas with a bachelor's degree in psychology and then a 2020 graduate from John Brown University with her master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Hannah loves the outdoors and spending time with her husband and her dog around the Buffalo National Natural River. And so I just want to say thank you for being on the podcast, Hannah. Thank you for having me. Well, Hannah, this is a part of a series where we're helping students navigate some of the difficult emotional issues that they face. Um, we've talked about how to deal with grief and loss. Um, we want to talk about family breakups and just a, a range of things. And we wanted to talk about the issue of anxiety. Uh, it's a big word, 
But before we get into those topics, those things, uh, just tell us a little bit about you, you and your relationship with God and how it began. Yeah, man, that's a loaded question. It um, is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, growing up, um, you know, I was definitely kind of brought up in the church. My um, kind of background is in Catholicism. And so, you know, grew up kind of going to church on the Sundays and being a part of those practices. And for me, my relationship with God didn't really become mine until college. And actually, in my teen years was probably when my faith was the most maybe turbulent is a, a good word to kind of use there. And I am a deep existential seeker by nature. And so I really struggled with some of these big topics of our faith of understanding the goodness of God and suffering and some of those areas that are just really hard to reconcile sometimes. And so during my teen years, I was going to the youth group, you know, events. I was I was attending church, but it was really just more of a practice um, and until I actually got into college. And I remember um, it was my freshman year, and it was actually a girl that I met during orientation um, before school even started. And me and her just struck up a conversation, and the way that she talked about God and Jesus was in a way that I've never heard before. She talked about them as if they were very real people. And the way that she described her relationship was nothing that I've ever seen someone kind of light up in the way that they did that. And so that was kind of the first time for me that I really got interested. I think during my teen years, going to church and being a part of those practices was maybe a social event, but that still laid the foundation for me, even as I got into college and kind of had that experience um, with my friend that really just showed me a new way of really engaging with your faith. You know, I love Christian universities, uh, but you weren't at a Christian university to begin with. You were at the University of Arkansas. Um, I know that we have programs, and there are lots of programs out there. The Association of Baptist Students is one that our churches support, but there's also um, Southern Baptists have some great groups, and there are some others like that. Was this one of those type of groups? Um, honestly, no. Um, whenever I met um, the person that I'm referring to, her name is Julie. She was one of my friends um, in college. We were just at freshman orientation. And so at the University of Arkansas, before you enter into your freshman year, they have you go through an orientation where you're there. I think it's like it's an overnight day. If I can remember correctly, I think it was just one day. But we were put into groups of just people that were going to be going into our freshman class. And the Lord just knew that I needed to meet Julie and and put me in that group. And, you know, she was very, you know, cool kind of granola girl. She skipped her senior year of high school to go to um, Thailand to do missions. And I, I remember being like, I've never heard someone ever do anything like that, let alone <laughs> put their life on hold and travel across the world just to talk to someone about Jesus. And the aroma of Christ that was just illuminating off of her was just undeniable. And I just hadn't experienced that yet at that point. And not to say that doesn't happen, but for me, you know, it happened kind of during my freshman year in college you know, where that really kind of became mine. Hannah, you live here in Northwest Arkansas. You're a counselor. That's been your chosen vocation. Um, but when you're not counseling, what do you like to do around here? 
I love being outdoors. I think a big part of my own journey, you know, through my healing has been outside in nature. And that's kind of my primary way to connect to God and my faith is really looking at creation. And so, you know, outside of work, what that's going to look like is me being outdoors in some way, whether that's taking my dog socks on a walk, you know, or just spending some time in our backyard. But on the weekends, we really, really love to go um, out to Ponca. And where I'm at currently um, is in Springdale, Arkansas. And so that's about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes away from me. And there's so much to do there. There's a lot of hiking. Um, you know, they have the the river there, so you can canoe and kayak, and just a lot of opportunities to be out in some really cool places with waterfalls and just overlooks that you've never really seen before. And so, you know, outside of being a therapist, and you know, my husband, he's a middle school teacher. Outside of that, we just really love being out there as much as we possibly can. You know, I follow you and your husband on social media, so I love seeing these pictures. Fantastic work. I mean, as a, from a photographer's standpoint, it's just, I love seeing that. I, lo- I love Northwest Arkansas because there's all of this. I mean, it's just gorgeous up here. Uh, but you, you brought up a great point, how you feel connected to God in those moments when you're out in, I want to say the wilderness, but that's the best description, mm-hmm. about in his nature. And um, there's a great book by Gary Thomas called Sacred Pathways that talks about the different ways that people connect with God. And so listeners, if you have an opportunity, pick that up, take a look at that. Um, Some people connect intellectually through their heads, some connect with nature and some experientially. So there's uh, some, some things that can be learned through a book like that. Well, Hannah, we want to get right into our conversation about, um, about anxiety. And so let me ask, I mean, Anxiety is a word that we've heard more and more over these past several years. I mean, it's always been around, um, but what is maybe the difference between that and worry? Yeah, so I like to kind of think of this on a spectrum. You know, in some ways they are different psychological states, but they really kind of go hand in hand sometimes. So I think really the best way to describe this is worry is a feeling of being unease or overly concerned about a situation or problem. And so this tends to be situational based, um, you know, um, and it can kind of reside more on a cognitive level. So worry in your thoughts versus anxiety is going to be the body's natural response to threat. And so anxiety is not only going to include a cognitive component, but it's going to have a physiological component. Your body's going to have an actual response to it, as well as an emotional component as well of experiencing sadness, fear, irritation, whatever that might be. And so worry and anxiety can definitely go hand in hand. You can feel worry and then your body have a physiological response to that. And that would be called anxiety. But sometimes worry can be a little bit more fleeting or after the situation is done or resolved, that worry can go away. And so an example that I can use that really kind of describes this is, you know, say I have a fear of bees, right? Um, I might see a bee buzzing and I might move out of the way because I really don't like bees. But whenever I move out of the way or the bee is gone, that worry and stress goes away, 
versus anxiety, maybe I have just an overall general fear of bees and I'm constantly scanning my environment for them. And say I see them and I notice that my heart starts to race a little bit. I might feel shortness of breath, maybe even feelings of panic might start coming in and it feels much harder to control. And even if that bee is gone, I'm still going to have that physiological reaction that might still be pumping through my body. So I think that's maybe the best way that I can describe them um, kind of in that spectrum. And worry tends to be a little bit more controllable versus anxiety can be a bit more generalized and happen over an extended period of time and can feel a little bit out of your control sometimes. I appreciate that description because, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to understand. We hear, again, hear those words together so often. Well, just stop worrying. Stop, you know, don't, don't have anxiety. <laughs> That's not a fair way to approach it yeah. um, at all. And I so, wish it was that simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I listen to Rainer on leadership a lot, and Tom Rainer references an old Bob Newhart sketch, or not sketch, but an old show where Bob Newhart was a psychologist, and he would talk with people as they come in, and he would just say, just stop it. And we can't say that to students. We can't say that to adults. Uh, just stop it, and it have a lasting impact. And so maybe you could uh, describe it a little bit more. So what's, what is an anxiety disorder we hear that a lot. I have anxiety disorder. So describe that for us. Yeah. So, you know, I really want to take a second to normalize anxiety because, you know, it's a good thing that we have systems in our body and our brain that will alert us whenever there's something going wrong. And so I like to explain anxiety as our body's way to tell us to pay attention to something. And if we didn't have that kind of system in our body, then we can definitely be caught in situations where we it could be life-threatening. And so anxiety is something that is universally felt across people and, and actually is a good thing that we have these systems in our body. And so feeling anxiety is something to be expected in everyday life, but having an anxiety disorder is going, going to be a little bit different. And whenever someone is being diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, they're going to have symptoms that are lasting for a period of six plus months, and they are um, severe enough that they are impacting everyday functioning and everyday life, you know, versus just moments of anxiety um, that come up, whether, and especially as we talk about students, like worry about school, anxiety about school, you know, those might be more situational and, you know, pass once a situation is done, maybe that test is done and now they're no longer worried or anxious. But anxiety is going to be much more, I guess, expanded over a period of time, and it's going to feel a little bit more out of your control. So is anxiety something that, not that we can give medical advice on this program, but is anxiety controllable through medication, or is it uh, something, a learned uh, set of tools that someone needs to, to learn how to, to utilize? Yeah, and I think the answer can definitely be both, but I also want to be sensitive knowing that not everyone would like to be able to take the, the route of medication. The way that I like to explain this to people that are in my room is medication can kind of treat the symptoms of anxiety, the feelings of, you know, heart palpitations, muscle tension, you know, shortness of breath, things like that, versus 
being in, in therapy can really kind of get to the roots, right? The underlying fears, the underlying anxieties, and how to cope with those in a different way. And over time, your body can actually expand its tolerance to anxiety and kind of expand that threshold a little bit more. Um, so, you know, whenever you're in therapy, being able to feel that anxiety in the room, how to sit with that anxiety rather than run away and then notice whenever it passes. How does anxiety manifest itself differently in teenagers' lives what, in comparison to adults? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question. And, you know, anxiety and how it's felt in the body can be a little bit unique to different individuals depending on their fight or flight response. Um, you know, some people might be a bit more agitated and go into that fight response, which is kind of moving inward towards the situation versus other people might shut down or have the flight response, which is where they kind of move away. And that can kind of be different between different you know, individuals and look different across age ranges. But I think, you know, the difference between teenagers and adults is really their ability to kind of express what is going on for them in the moment. You know, adults might have, you know, a little bit more of a developed brain where they can easily recognize if their fears are rational or how to maybe explain that or work through that um, kind of verbally with somebody else versus a teenager might not have the way that they would like to express their feelings, um, you know, in a way that feels clear and concise. And sometimes you might notice anxiety and behavior in teens much more quicker than they can maybe express or vocalize to you. Well, Chris, you speak to a lot of students um, at camps, conferences, in your own student ministry and at school. What are you seeing in the way of stressors that are on students, um, the worries that are concerning them? Yeah. Um, well, first off, you know, yes, I'm around teenagers a lot and I'm thankful for that. doesn't make me an expert by any means. It just <laughs> means that I get to observe a lot. Um, right, and it, it, right. se it seems to me that there's a lot of overwhelm. There's just a lot of overwhelm among teenagers. Uh, and that, I think that comes from, a, from, you know, from a lot of different angles. Um, I mean, goodness, overwhelm can come from, from any place. But for teenagers specifically, uh, I, I think we see a lot of overwhelm that begins in the home, you know, what that home looks like. There's a lot of broken homes um, and kids just don't know what to do and they feel overwhelmed with that. Um, there's overwhelm when it comes to performance, as we've already kind of mentioned in the terms of sports and academics and, and all of that, just trying to, you know, they, they've got to, they, they feel like they've got to have it all together. And part of that, part of what contributes to, I believe that overwhelm is the pressure that just we as society and our people around them kind of unintentionally put on them. For instance, if you have a, if you have a senior in your, in your class or in your, in your student ministry, we ask questions like, Hey, what's next? You know, where, where are you going? You know, and there's almost like yeah. this expectation for them to have that all figured out by the time that they get that tassel moved over and they receive that, that degree. And so I just think, again, I could go down the list and there's, there's going to be things that I miss, but if I had to sum it up in one word, I think I would use that one. There's just a lot of overwhelm and, uh, and it's a matter of thinking through all the what ifs and not really having a clear answer to that. Well, Hannah, what, what are you seeing um, from a professional standpoint? 
Yeah. So, you know, even just as I was hearing Chris talking, um, I think for me, especially in my practice, when I, what I see this kind of tending to come out with um, my clients and their parents is whenever kids are in a place of transition. And we just went through, you know, two years of a big disruption of how school is even structured for these students. You know, all of that was transitioned online, kids that maybe didn't have you know, fixed structures or have, you know, their own internal motivation really struggled with being able to get their work done, which resulted in maybe falling behind on schoolwork or, you know, being isolated from friends. And even still now, I'm seeing those effects in my room of social relationships are so, so important during this stage of life. And they just had two years of, you know, being separated from friends or even kind of being behind a mask. That has tremendously kind of impacted a lot of my students um, that have come into my room of just being able to interact and socialize with people has looked different than it has ever done before. I also noticed that, you know, anxiety tends to peak just, again, in areas of transition. So if they're moving from middle school or junior high to high school, and then again, from high school to college, anytime that there's going to be moments of change, I think in general, us as humans, change is hard for most people, but it's definitely hard for adolescents that are still learning how to build internal resources for themselves. Well, let me ask though, as, as those of us who work with students, if we're trying to help the parents and the families that we're involved with, what can we be watching for? Because anxiety left untreated, um, left unspoken to, can cause a lot of issues. You're talking about the physical manifestations of anxiety. And so what should we be watching for as student ministry workers? Yeah, you know, like I mentioned, you know, during this stage of development, it might be hard for adolescents to be able to verbally express, hey, I'm feeling worried or hey, I'm feeling anxious. And so a lot of times what you guys can be looking for is some of the behavioral components. So looking for behavioral issues at school, you know, are they interacting differently with their teachers and peers that they've never really done before? If they're struggling to focus at home or at school, if you're noticing that they're kind of zoning off and having a hard time coming back in, um, you know, if they are normally a good performer in schools or in sports, but then their their performance kind of um, starts to be impacted, um, if they're telling you, hey, I'm just constantly worried, or you just notice like whenever you're talking to them, all you hear is worry, if they're avoiding their friends, if they're having difficulty sleeping, those are kind of some of the big indicators that you can be looking for. Sometimes that can anxiety can even manifest itself in headaches or even stomach pains and stomach issues. And so if a kid is kind of complaining or expressing concern about bodily function, you can ask them what they're experiencing. And if you're aware of some of those symptoms of anxiety, that might be easier to to kind of pinpoint it. There are those that might say, well, anxiety and issues of worry should be solved by simply looking to God and looking uh, to his word. If we look in Matthew 6, we're told not to worry. How should we respond to those people from from a professional standpoint, Hannah? Yeah. And, you know, my faith is so important to me and I, I understand kind of the, the heart and intention behind, you know, church members 
maybe expressing that to their students. I think, like you mentioned, just telling someone to stop worrying or to get out of their head in that moment, you know, what is going to be received by that student is I'm doing something wrong or they might feel shame that they don't have control over it. And, you know, that's something that we want to be able to avoid. Um, You know, I think part of being able to manage anxiety is knowing how to care for yourself. You know, self-care can kind of be, you know, a really nice fancy term, but there is so much legitimacy in knowing how to take care of your physical needs, how to take care of your emotional needs, how to take care of your social needs and kind of what that looks like in each of those areas. And that can be very unique across different individuals. And so I think, you know, as someone in ministry, like you can encourage students, right, to, to look to scripture. And, you know, in college, the thing that was so helpful for me if I was anxious is to, rem- to remind myself to cast my anxieties at the feet of Jesus. I get to do that, right? I get to cast my anxieties to him and what it looks like to take every thought captive, right? You, you have a degree of control over your brain, but it does take practice. It takes intentional practice that whenever you're noticing a thought going through your mind, to capture it and be able to kind of, in our faith kind of terms, right, how to give that over to Jesus. But I think the best thing that you can do really is just to offer a listening ear and to be there for them and let them kind of go through what they're feeling anxious or worried about and just validate that. Honestly, that feels really good for the psyche just to be able to have someone listen to you and just sit with you in deep empathy. And then I think, you know, afterwards being able to pray with the student or being able to use scripture, I think that lands on the best ground after the listening happens. Um, So I don't want to discourage the use of scripture. I don't want to discourage the, you know, because that's part of our faith. But I think how you lead matters. If you can lead with a place of concern and empathy and listening, then you can kind of go into how to integrate scripture into managing anxiety because our spiritual health is a part of the process. And whenever we can kind of take care of our spiritual needs, that can help with anxiety. We need to probably get closer to wrapping up. So let me ask this question. What are some practical things that we can do to help our students navigate these anxiety issues? Yeah. So maybe some good resources that I can give you guys um, that I will kind of give people in my practice. You know, a really good book that I like to recommend is called Brainstorm, The Power and Purpose of the Teenage Brain. And that's by Dan Siegel. Really kind of goes over the formation of the brain and what's kind of happening during those teenage years. It's, you know, good for parents and it's good just to be able to help teens kind of understand what's going on too. I really like the book. um, It's called Self-Care for College Students. You know, even though it's directed for college students, it has a lot of just really good resources of what it looks like to take care of yourself in these different areas of domains of physical self-care, emotional self-care, spiritual self-care. And so I will pull that often out often in my office just for something to look at and get ideas because it can be really overwhelming in a moment that you're feeling anxious to be like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. And a book like this can be really helpful to give ideas. Outside of that, you know, I am very much kind of in the generation of I like listening and watching rather than reading. 
<laughs> so um, there's actually some really good resources on Netflix. One of them is Headspace. It's the interactive uh, Headspace program on Netflix um, that kind of teaches mindfulness and breathing. They also have a really, really good like portion of it for sleep. And I even use that sometimes whenever I'm having trouble sleeping. There's a few other ones. There's one that's called uh, Human, the World Within. And if you're wanting to understand just what happens to your body in a moment of anxiety, they have an episode that's called React. And it is fantastic of being able to explain the fight or flight response. And then the next one that I would recommend is called The Mind Explained. And they have a specific episode just on the teenage brain. There's some books, but also some things that you can watch um, and listen to. And I think are a little bit friendly for, for adolescents too, to be able to digest. Well, I appreciate that, Hannah. One of the things that we have to do as student ministry workers is not only have a good handle of what Scripture says as we teach our students about God and His Word, is we've got to have a, an understanding of our audience, of who they are. And so many of the resources you just listed talk about those type of things. So we'll have those in our show notes so that you'll be able to find them. Well, Chris, as, as we wrap up today with Hannah, do you have any other questions for her? Yeah, you know, Hannah, you... you, you kind of touched on this, uh, just giving some warning signs and things like that to be paying attention to. Uh, I appreciate how you started us off just kind of making the distinction between worry and anxiety. And uh, it, it seemed to, in, in your definition of anxiety that uh, there's a compulsive nature to it, right? Uh, there's a, there, there tends to be, again, that almost an uncontrollable type of response sometimes that comes with like true anxiety. I hope I'm not misrepresenting what you said, but I, that's kind of what i I picked on you did not say the word compulsive. I just put that in there. But would you would you kind of explain it that way? And and a follow up to that is like, at what point should we should anxiety become alarming to us as student pastors and to maybe parents as well? Yeah. So I mean, there's definitely some compulsions that can happen with anxiety. Like there are um, you know components of OCD that can have a sense of compulsion to them. Um, or even rumination, right? That is kind of the act of playing a scene or a thought over and over and over in your head. And it can be hard to get out of that loop sometime, you know? And then I think to answer your question on when to be concerned, you know, I, I tend to lean on, you know, prevention can be a really good form of action. And so part of that is how to kind of notice these things, um, maybe on the front end before they're getting to the point of being severe deb like debilitation. But, you know, once it gets to that point and you're really kind of noticing uh, a kid shutting down, self-isolating, if they're starting to kind of cope in these unhelpful ways, whether that's coping through drugs and alcohol, or maybe they're lashing out in behaviors that they've never done before, mm -hmm. um, you know, those can be really, I guess, like in your face kind of alarm signs to be looking for. But again, I think from a, a student ministry perspective, you know, if you're noticing that a kid is just kind of dropping off, I think you can you know, reach ba or touch base with them, just make sure that they're doing okay during that time too. No, that's so good. You know, and, and so Dan, I, I'm going to pitch it back to here in just a second, but I, I like asking that question. We asked a similar question last week. It, it does come back to, I mean, one of the commonalities in your answer there that what we received last week too is, you know, big behavior changes. changes. Um, that's just, a, it just seems to be a, a very visible mark, you know, and it's, you know, so from a student pastor standpoint, I'm going to speak to our audience here for a minute. 
how, how important it is for us, you know, who are around teenagers just to, just to be kind of good observers of our students, mm-hmm. um, being yeah, aware of, uh, of them. And, and that means being a part of their lives, you know, as much as we can and, and visiting them and all those things that we've talked about, but be, be good observers of their behavior of, you know, what's going on. And, uh, let's not take that kind of stuff for granted. I mean, when a kid comes in and, and maybe it just looks like they're down, don't be afraid to just go ch- check on them, see how they're doing, that kind of thing. And then I would, I would also say, don't be scared. Uh, don't, don't be uh, fearful of mentioning something to a parent uh, if, if that's an appropriate uh, situation. Like if they have, if they have a, obviously have parents that that love them, you know, it's okay to to just send a text message and say, hey, I noticed, you know, just you know, so-and-so was not, not, didn't seem to be themselves, just wanted you to have a heads up. And, and I just think it's always important for us to remember that, yes, we have a, we have a job as a, as a pastor of a church to, to lead them and to feed them spiritually, to be good observers of all this. But the first disciple makers are their parents. And, um, and to, uh, and so we have an obligation to, I think, point out those kind of alarming things or things that we just seem to seem to be off. Right. And, um, and I'm not saying we do that every turn of the corner because, gosh, we all have bad days. There's things that come in. But um, if it seems to be a consistent thing, then we need to speak up. We need to say something there. And Hannah, I would just say to you, thank you so much for your perspective. Thank you for this. You know, you've you've helped me in thinking through, you know, uh, some of the questions that Dan asked. You know, how how do we how should we think in terms of what God's word says? Right. And then the term that we've been using is, you know, the. Uh, what the professionals say, so to speak. And I know that you don't set yourself apart from God's word. If anybody's been really listening to you, you, you integrate God's word and your beliefs, what you, what you believe, who you are as a Christian into how you counsel. Um, And I loved what you said about medication earlier, that, that, that really doesn't fix the problem. It just, it just hits the symptoms. And, um, and I think that's an important thing for us to understand that, uh, especially as American Christians, that, you know, medication is not the fix all for things, but doesn't mean that it's a, it's a bad thing. Um, it just means that we, it's a, it's a horrible overall solution. Um, it can help manage things, but it doesn't always fix them. And anyway, in all that, uh, one of my favorite verses, and I'll, I'll just, I'll shut up after this is Philippians four, six through seven, where Paul says, um, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to the Lord. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I, I, I think that one of the things that we as American Christians have to get better at is understanding and being observant enough to know that we live in a society that really promotes a an individualistic response to things. You can do it yourself. You can figure it out, you know. And you couple that with the idea of what some some people do is they say, hey, just don't worry about it. Right. Like we talked about, don't worry about that. You know, go to the Bible. Um, But then there's no help. In other words, it's just an individualistic thing. Just go to the Bible and just accept truth and apply it to your life. We've got to remember that we are built for community, that we're built to to lean on one another. And I heard somebody say something the other day, and I wish I could reference the the right person. I just don't know who said it originally, but I'm going to just make sure it's not original to me. Scripture says that we are to bear one another's burdens, but we can't bear one another's burdens until we share our burdens with another person. 
And I just, that's been stuck in my brain uh, the last few days. And I wanted to mention it on here. So Hannah, thank you again. Dan, thanks for letting me go on a little bit of a, of a rant there. Uh, just cleared my head, but uh, this is, this is a great, this is a great conversation. Hannah, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Um, we appreciate these, these conversations that we're having with some mental health professionals um, because uh, it gives us a greater perspective as we seek to work with student ministry and to work with students. And so again, thank you so much. Absolutely. It was such a joy to come on and to offer my perspective. Well, if you want to get in touch with Hannah, one of the best ways to do that is through Fresh Roots Family Counseling. There'll be a link in our show notes. Um, you could set up an appointment if you are in Northwest Arkansas. And if you're not and just want to get some information from her, there's the ability to email through uh, their website. And so, listeners, thank you so much for joining us as we've had a chance to continue the conversation about student ministry. And as we've talked about issues of anxiety, remember, your students are depending on you. You need to love them, know them, uh, listen to them. And why do we do these things? Well, we do them because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.